0: Well, hello, very good afternoon to you. This is uh, Phil from The Real DR. Um, Our very special guest comes to us from all the way from uh, Dubai, and he's one of my fellow students from the London Real Broadcast Yourself Academy. Samira Alexander originally hails from London, but now lives and works in Abu Dhabi as a rapid transformation and therapist coach. Samira recently started her own podcast called Second Act Disrupted, and I know this is a fascinating subject, I can't wait to hear more about it from Samira, but before we get into that, I just want to say a huge welcome to you Samira, it's a pleasure having you here on The Real DR. Thank you, thank
1: you very much, (laughs) thank you very much for having me.
0: Right, you're, <laughs> thank you so much. Listen, but first things first, uh, how's life today in, I've never been there, how's life today in Abu Dhabi?
1: Um, Abu Dhabi is great. Um, for people who uh, don't know Abu Dhabi, obviously, I think when I first moved over here 12 years ago, um, and when I was headhunter for a job here, um, people didn't know where Abu Dhabi was, even I didn't know where Abu Dhabi was. But, uh I think since we've had Formula One, we've had sex in the city, people know Abu Dhabi's put, put on the map. And of course, its sister, sister city is Dubai and the heart and soul of the UAE as well. So I fluctuate between Abu Dhabi and Dubai, but my heart is actually Abu Dhabi and I can go through that in a bit more detail when we go through the interview. So,
0: How far is Abu Dhabi from Dubai?
1: It's about 90 minutes drive. So it's, it's very easy to get to. And Abu Dhabi is the capital of the UAE. And um, it's, it's uh, you feel more, there's more culture here. There's more um, that you, you feel you're in a different country. Oh,
0: don't do this. Please. Hello. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> That's okay.
1: So even if we get stuck, it's all right. It's cool, right? Let's because, uh, yeah, let's go with it um and uh so we have some technical issues but it's okay we're just going to carry on talking um so yeah uh, Dubai is more of the flashy sister or brother younger brother but um so it's more flashy and it's but there's lots of stuff going on there it's good fun you know it's a good party place and cultural place as well um but my heart's in Abu Dhabi For sure.
0: Now it looks like I mean you've got good roads, you've got wonderful cars. Are you cars? Are you you driving a a, a Ferrari there, Samira?
1: (laughs) No, I'm not driving a Ferrari, but you do see lots of Ferraris here. You do see lots of uh, Bentleys, um, Aston Martins. I think um, Maseratis. You do see that. My favourite is the Aston Martin, and that will be my next car. But at the moment, no. I'm a a humble girl and. uh, I think. Look, we had. Uh, I think the world and his wife when they did initially move here. You get into the whole bling bling, and uh, and then you you know there was the big pay packets and things. Yeah. Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on!
0: it's a thunderstorm
1: as <laughs> well because it's all, live, all the time
0: I mean we're in the middle of a caribbean thunderstorm that's why it keeps going off
1: <laughs> oh, okay okay no problem we just carry on going. that's carry on okay
0: yeah yeah so tell me about how's the heat over there obviously i mean, yeah. i according to google i'm 12346 miles kilometers away and it's very hot here
1: How's the temperature over there in Abu Dhabi? Well, we did have a very hot summer. Um, It's uh, um, and uh, sometimes it can be unbearable. But being a being a London girl and leaving London, as much as I'm a London girl and I love London, I mean I love the vibe. You know, I'm a London girl through and through. But I couldn't handle the weather. I couldn't handle the grey skies. Even the summer, we were always let down by the summer. So. I chose to come here and so I'm not going to complain about the heat.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, listen, so, so, so you're originally, you're originally from, from London. Mm
1: -hmm. Can,
0: Can you tell us about your, tell us a little bit about your journey to, uh, to, um, uh, Abu Dhabi it's the United okay. Arab Emirates yeah.
1: isn't it yeah yeah so um one of the things for some reason I've always wanted to do was obviously live in a, a you know in the countries because I love London as I said and I always felt that I wanted to live abroad anyway um and I wanted to go and you know travel the world and conquer it and obviously live abroad and obviously I, I mean I love the weather um but um I had a few places I could go to and um but for some reason, I was just drawn to the whole idea of Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and I thought that would be a really great, exciting place to go. It was excited, really exotic to me, even though I hadn't even seen it. Um, and many, many years later, I was, you know, I, my background, as I said, is I'm a macroeconomist. I worked in a real estate. I used to forecast real estate, commercial and residential, and, um, and as a forecaster, I knew <laughs> that the western world was going to ha- go through a recession and um i knew that the economies in the middle east and in asia were going to be growing at that time and so i started just and i also wanted to you know live abroad anyway so i started applying for jobs and it just purely by chance i was headhunted for a job um in abu dhabi so i flew out had the interview and i was offered the job so um So I I moved out here without any hesitation. And of course, the the 2008 crash happened, Um, yet obviously that had a huge impact globally in the US and the Western world. But obviously it hit here as well because real estate was a big thing here as well. And they were not immune to it because it was a global recession. But I still came over here, worked for a developer, and was here for four years, working for the developer, forecasting real estate, um, looking at um, the commercial and residential. Um, and then I then moved over to aviation and I worked with an airline here um, in commercial strategy and str- commercial strategy, yes, and sales and was responsible for about 17 markets in terms of sales and revenue. Um, and that was a great opportunity. That was, that was a great opportunity to just travel around the world, jump on a plane and, and uh, travel around Asia.
0: What kind of aircraft were, it, were in the in the fleet
1: oh uh, all sorts um you know the I had the, well, we had the airbus three eighty we've had um, the seven seven eight sevens um, and then so those that you know and we use those for going to the to the u s and uh, yeah, they were great um, cool. and I
0: yeah
1: really enjoyed flying and there's a p- moment where I was actually flying a bit too much because I was going from one end of I was flying from Japan, stopping in Abu Dhabi, then flying to LA and then flying elsewhere. And it was just like, it was a crazy time, <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. I don't think I would do it as as, as that now, but um, it meant that I felt I touched a lot of countries and just felt smelt the, or took in the air of those countries, touched the ground. And even that wasn't for me because of the energy, the vibration of those countries. So, um, so Japan, all around Asia, um India, um, uh, and then all around, and some parts of Europe, and then a lot of places in the U.S. as well. So um... I would imagine,
0: I would imagine, given the nature of where 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 you are and the airline that you would be flying with, I'm presuming mm-hmm. it wouldn't be like Ryanair or anything like that. No,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Ryanair. <laughs> it wasn't right in there. So yeah. And Australia, of course, as well. So no, um, I used to work for Etihad. So um, that was the airline I used to work for. And so obviously now everyone knows who Etihad is. And it's funny actually, because when I did my economics, my master's in economics, um, I used to, I studied at Manchester. So, oh, really? and I, I studied at Manchester, did my master's in economics and there, and I just lived outside just a, Stone throw away from the Man City football ground. <laughs> Ooh, we
0: don't like that. And every
1: Saturday, and every Saturday, we'd see the, all the football football fans coming towards the, the, the stadium.
0: Brable. and
1: not not very not very serious, not, not very serious sometimes. Okay, and um, it was funny. And then I and then I moved to Abu Dhabi, and then I find out that Abu Dhabi bought Man City football club. <laughs> oh, right.
0: So you'd be getting season tickets now. No, and then
1: Etihad then, then, uh, has been sponsoring them. So it's been really bizarre how that happened. But uh, yeah. So and now, the... I mean, Man City is doing so well. I mean, Man United used to be such at the top of the game and now it's That's... Man City. So Yeah, it's
0: my team, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, we're not doing <laughs> so good at the moment. No, no, can you believe
1: it? Back. In a year, I mean, Man United was the team, Alex Ferguson and the team. Yeah. And no one can touch them. Until Man City were bought out and then, and, then, uh, and then things have changed.
0: It is, it's depressing. Now, listen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put, you've had such a very busy life. Um, <laughs> University in Manchester. Um, yeah. Can, can, you, can you walk me through a little time frame? Because you've got some significant, significant changes going on in your life that leads you to where, where you are now. Can you kind of walk us through...
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you know, when you're kind of growing up and things, I mean, I think you're always drawn to things, but for some reason, I don't know why, but my careers teacher said to me, I think, I think I wanted to go into marketing at the time, but she said to me, I think you should do economics. I didn't, again, I didn't know what economics was, but I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do economics degree. But then I realized that economics was a really interesting subject because it meant I could, it's so dynamic. Global economics, macroeconomics is very dynamic. Things are changing day to day. Um, and I found that really interesting. And, um, and, uh, and then you'd know about what was happening with the markets, the economy, and I used to forecast uh, countries. And I was fortunate, believe it or not, as an undergraduate to work for the UK forecaster that worked for the Treasury as an undergraduate. And I was there when, I don't know if you remember, but when interest rates went up twice in one day, I think from 10% to 13% and then 13% to 15% because...
0: Uh, yeah, I would have been a homo you remember that? at that
1: time. Yeah, okay, well, I wasn't, okay. I was <laughs> which was lucky for me, but um, I think it was John Major was Prime Minister and we, were, we had gone into the ERM and which was not good for us. And then Germany decided to hike their interest rates, which meant that we had to, our interest rates were hiked. Yeah, and then one day, um, you know, they went up to what, well, they went up 5%. Yeah. yeah. 500 points, I think. Yeah. So, um, obviously that had a, that had a huge negative. So I was part of that, you know, a, a part of the UK, um, forecasting team and, you know, you could see the craziness that was happening then. Um, and so that obviously led to a recession, but, um, but, you know, so I, I really enjoyed economics, and, uh, and, but I really had the other passion. The other thing that ha- happened for me, I've always had an entrepreneurial kind of streak in me. Yes. I think it started when I was about seven years old. And outside my house, there's a drive. There was a drive. There's like a main area to park, but you drive off the main road to drive into this part. And for some reason, I realized that there was a pavement and then there will be the part where we drive into, into the house. Because it's drive and then there'd be another public pavement right so people had to walk past and walk over it which is a pub, overall is a public footpath but for some reason I just thought and I think I didn't call it that at the time but I thought that that strip where you had to drive into our drive was private which meant that either side of that was a pri- was public but that strip was private you so I thought you were teaching people I started to I so I thought wouldn't it be a great idea that we charged everyone who walked past who had to walk quite over the drive to, go to the other side of the pavement one pence so I thought that was a great idea I was only 7 so I got my 6 year old brother to stand outside with my best friend at the time with a little mug to stop people and get them to pay one pence so I think one person paid one pence and then the person was not happy and I could see my brother crying and this w- angry woman walking towards the front door. And I thought, Oh shit, <laughs> I think I'm in trouble. I would but I think that you learned
0: some choice words. Uh, to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think that's when I realized that, I mean, later on, I thought about it. Wow. That's really, that was really uh, entrepreneurial of me at that time. So, so I had that always that streak in me. And the other thing I had uh, is really into wellness, making a difference. So, when I was as an economist, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm forecasting real estate. Well, does that, I'm not forecasting real estate, I'm forecasting eco- economies. Well, okay, so then what? And then I had some, uh, took some time out also. Unfortunately, my father passed away. And then um, it made me realize about some things. And I thought, well, I don't, why don't I take some time out and do some acting? <laughs> so I took a couple of years out. and I,
0: I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> I, you know, as, as, by, as by my, my M.O., I've been researching, you see, I saw acting,
1: <laughs> I saw acting. Where did you act? So I, did, I, started, um, I decided to go and do a, be a private tutor for a while and study at the City Lit in Hoburn. And I'd go for auditions and I auditioned for like Coronation Street and um, EastEnders. I think in EastEnders they said I was meant to be, I auditioned for, I did the whole workshop day for EastEnders and I was meant to be, the whole thing was to be R- Robbie's girlfriend. But apparently, the feedback came back at the time was, and I was very kind of them at the time. They said I was far too glamorous to be Robbie's girlfriend. <laughs> so that didn't happen. And uh, with Coronation Street, when I auditioned for them, I was so excited to be auditioning for Coronation Street, and I actually tried to do a Mancunian accent, and ended up doing a Yorkshire accent, went horribly wrong, no, and it's so a I did Yorkshire even... <laughs>
0: accent, Lancashire accent,
1: Lancashire accent. So anyway, it just didn't go very well, so it didn't happen. So, but I think also, I mean, it was good fun and I did some TV dramas and things like that, um, Asian ones, because my background, my, ethnically, my parents are from Pakistan. So I was born and brought up in the UK, but, um, um, have, have that background so I can speak Urdu, so, um, English with an English accent, but I can't speak it. So I, um, so I did some of those. And then, um, I thought, you know what, you know, maybe I need to go for and do something else because I didn't really, I came across people they were nice. Some of them are really nice people, but some people I think really needed some help and they were, didn't seem completely balanced. And I just thought there has to be more to just doing this. So yes. then I did actually go, um, and the other thing I was going to be doing, uh, was being a presenter for Sky News and I auditioned for that and, there was some stuff about doing that as well. But for some reason, I didn't go back to do that as well. I think it was more because when I saw the business editor look at himself vainly when he is having his makeup done, and is this some, there was something about, do I really want to be surrounded by people like this? With the greatest yeah. respect, I'm sure they were very good, but I think for me, it, it, it just didn't sit well. So. So anyway, and then, um, then obviously the real estate market was increasing and improving, and I started reading articles about the buy-to-let market. I had no clue, um, and um, of what it was all about.
0: About the what? Sorry, let market.
1: Buy-to-let. Oh, buy-to-let market.
0: Okay. Ninety-seven.
1: Ninety-seven. It was a buy-to-let market. Okay. Okay. And um, and then uh, and so basically, I. You know, my father had passed away and we had some little bit of money for my mum. I want to invest for her. And so I just got a map of London. So if I I thought, if I'm an economist, I'm sure I can figure this out. Got a map of London and I just thought, well, where do you think property prices are going to increase? So then I just started looking at places and thinking, okay, this place might increase this place. I looked at the, the demand and supply and where the demand would be, you know, say what the local hospital would be, schools and things like that, universities. And then I'd go and look at these places, and I really developed relationships with the, the estate agents. And some of them were really, you know, yeah. They, we, I developed really good relationships with the estate agents. Um, some of them were really helpful and gave me lots of information. And that's how I grew my knowledge. Um, and then I just started taking risks, calculated risks, to um, invest. And um, and they started, you know, they obviously started growing in value. Um, and, uh, this is way before a lot of people started getting into the market and, uh, and from there, i started my friends about it and they just wouldn't listen to me. They said, yeah, yeah, whatever. I said, you know, you should really buy in this area because it's a property hotspot. It's going to grow up. And I told them the, all the information analysis, but they wouldn't believe me. And I said, okay, no worries. But then, um, in the evening standard, then you have these like articles about a uh, property hotspot, blah, blah, Dulwich, the property hotspot, or Sarasota Place, the property hotspot. And then I said, you know what, I was reading in the, uh, the, the, the um, Evening Standard the other day, and it said that property hotspot that you told me about, and it's already in the Evening Standard. And I said, yeah, I know what I was talking about. So, so it was the Dulwich
0: I... area, yes? Dulwich? Right
1: dulwich i mean also east end east london um southwest london different parts but i'd go and research the particular areas of london and see where the property market properties will increase overall the property market did increase overall by the by 15 years later but in the beginning there were key property hotspots invested to make sure you had the highest growth yeah, and
0: docklands as well I remember that that uh... docklands
1: yeah but though that crashed a bit because of uh, some of the Canary Wharf, but then it came up again, I think, later on. So I think that that's the, that's, sorry?
0: So, so you're, a, you're an incredibly s- smart lady. And, and, well, I
1: mean, I think I just kind of, I just winged it. I think I don't know what that is. So anyway, and <laughs> um, so then, um, so then, um, so then I, I thought, wouldn't it be great if I worked for a company that I could combine my economics with real estate? I wonder if there's a job out there. And I just thought about I had no idea. And then I mean, purely by fluke. And this is what the universe and this is what I'll say to you is like, the universe provides you when you want to have think about when you have an intention to do something, I think the universe, you know, puts in front of you. Because I met this woman who's probably one of the few people I knew, um, who actually recruited for the real estate market. And they were looking for people who had economics background and forecasting real estate. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, this, this, this is too good to be true. I didn't even know that they, these jobs existed. They didn't tell us this in the Chris <laughs> fair. Wow. That's so then I worked for a company called. D- yeah. So then I called. I worked for a company called DTZ, which was a, one of the largest advisory real estate advisory companies. Um, globally at the time, I think. And, um, so I worked for them and we used to forecast real estate, as I said, as, and I was there for four years. And then, as I said, because I was forecasting real estate in the US, and, that, and the thing is, looking at the subprime market, we knew things were gonna, weren't looking great because every time we'd think that the market was going to slow down, the price kept going up. Everything was going up all the time. This is really bizarre. Didn't it make sense. The numbers didn't add up, but you know, nobody was really talking about it really at the time. So I just felt that the market was going to crash and there was going to be a recession. So in the meantime, I went through this whole, you know, period when property was starting to increase that I'd buy and sell. I'd buy property, didn't sell. I bought bought property and it got to a point where somebody said to me, you're buying property like uh, other people buy shoes. I just loved it and it was good fun. But also I got a bit too cocky as well because I just, and I got to a point where I bought a property. I didn't even look at it. And I bought it, thinking I was just so confident. And it was outside the UK. It was actually in Chester. I still have it, oh, and right. and um, and uh, and uh, it was a negative equity. It has been a negative equity. I think it's now it's all right now. But I went through a period where. Um, it went through negative equity and it was a learning for me because I think I just got too cocky at that time. Well,
0: that's the universe again, isn't
1: it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's the universe again. So you have to really, you know, so I've learned a lot. So um, anyway, so that was my passion. And then I thought, okay, real estate is done. And like, obviously, you know, the, the market's slowing down and what have you and things like that. And so that's why I thought it's time for me to now, I want to live abroad, I want to work abroad. And again, when I put that intention out there, I remember coming back from holiday uh, from with a family and I was on the flight and I just said, you know what? I've always wanted to be living abroad, traveling. That's what I've always wanted to do. And one of the reasons why I didn't do that before was because I was in a relationship and thinking I was going to marry that person. That person did not want to move abroad and things like that. And it's amazing sometimes we hold ourselves back with of our own dreams because we think that a relationship is, is probably more important things. But sometimes... And that doesn't work out. So, um, and anyway, so, and then I just made that decision that I am going to make sure that I'm living abroad and I, I, I want to move abroad. That was it. That's all I made. And that intention was made on a flight back to London. And I just got my CV ready within two days. And then I sent it out to a few agencies and get this. I got a call from an agency that saw my CV that I'd put on some website a year and a half before out of the blue right and they called me up and they said look we looked at your cv and uh you know there's a job going there's a job available with a developer in abu dhabi and i said where (laughs) and they said um it's next to dubai i said oh okay and they said um and uh, your your cv fits the criteria would you be interested in applying and i said yeah sure and i already was applying for jobs in australia hong kong singapore uh places and spain as well. And, um, and so, and then it it happened very, very quickly. Again, it was just, um, um, just, I got, I I mean, on the 4th of January, I got the, I got the call. I think a week later, I flew out to see them here Uh, on the, on the, on the way back, they offered me the job and I was out here in Abu Dhabi, um, April 7th. Resigned from my job and, and basically was in, in, in the country by the 7th of April wow. 2008.
0: What a story. Have, have you yeah. always felt as though you've always had, you know, we've spoken uh, about the universe and connecting with the universe, yeah. and the life of the manifestation. Have you always felt like you've had a strong connection? Is this something yeah. you've always
1: felt? Yeah. yeah. I think that uh, ever since as a kid, and I didn't even know. And this may sound a bit woohoo to some people, but some people have it, and some people don't. But um, I just think that you know, once once you know, some people have some psychic abilities and stuff. Not that I had anything really, but I could sense things or feel things. But I didn't know what it was, and uh, you know. But I think that even if you don't even connect with that, um, I think when you put an intention out say I want to do this you really are. it's like telling the universe and like I don't know if you've watched the secret but they do say that you should put the intention out there yes I'll it say. does start with the intention right yes. and I think if you make the intention out there I think things start to move in that direction and it and I just mentioned to you two or three times where it's already happened and we'll tell you some other examples of where it's happened and so I just think the intention is so important because you then once you've committed if the intention is there you are showing commitment. And then everything says, Okay, you've said that, and we'll we'll help you to get there. Or, but you have to do the work. You can't just sit there and not Absolutely. do anything about it, right? You, Absolutely. you know, I don't believe that you just just visualize it and then and then nothing and, and not take any action. You're not going to be a billionaire without just sitting there visualizing it and not doing. That doesn't happen, right? You have to take action as well.
0: Absolutely, <clears throat> I, so I definitely agree with that. And I think that's. I think that uh, I was listening to an interview with one of one of the. Um, one of the um, gurus from uh, from the secret and he said that was a problem with that movie that it kind of gave that intention but that they should have followed up with a secret two to explain a little bit that yeah you've got to get off your backside <laughs> otherwise it's
1: exactly not going to I think I think Tony Robbins says the same thing as well that you've got to take action and of course you need to take action I think you can definitely connect and you can create those things you can manifest things but you still have to feel it you have to be in it and it's it's, it's creating that energy that vibration I mean I met I spoke to only a lady uh, two days ago three days ago she told me how she'd been in a a narcissistic relationship of about 21 years or something or 30 years. And uh, she'd come out of that. And then she actually wrote, and I've heard a few people do this actually. I haven't done this, but I know a few people have done this where they've actually written down exactly. And Tony Robbins has done this as well, where they've actually wrote, written down who their perfect partner is and really in detail, they've done that. And then this lady is saying to me that she actually felt it. She believed it. She, she created that energy and vibration that that person was there. And uh, I think, in a matter of months, she met her husband um, wow. at, at, at at um at an event I think it was a town hall event that she went to by mistake and um, they met each other there and within uh, within a few weeks they he proposed to her and they got married. they just apparently very, very similar. but wow. she said he's exactly what I wanted in my what I manifested. And I'm what? thinking that's amazing. It's an amazing story. As like yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. and that's she's not the first person who said that, by the way. So, I think it's really important to make sure that you. And it is true. You need to manifest. You have to create that energy for whatever it is. And so, I think it starts with it. Well, I know it starts with the intention. And, and so just telling yeah. Ahead.
0: Apparently, the more detail, the better. You know, from yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I can remind me to tell you about quantum gnosis. So I'll tell you about that later. But, um, yeah, the, the more detail, the better. Yeah. So, um, so, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, I was gonna so, say, so, go ahead.
0: Can we, can we get to, you know, because it was a big change to, you really got into psychology. and, and Yeah. Uh, can we talk yeah. about that? Because it sounds fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so as I continued to stay in like in the real estate, you know, work for this real estate company, and then I moved over to um, Etihad and I worked for them. But my heart has always been to make a difference. Um, I've always been fascinated by the mind ever since I was a kid. I was ready to read any book I could have, get my hands on, how to mind over matter, overcome things. I used to teach myself techniques and things as well. And... Um, <clears throat> And over the years, I came across an amazing woman, a woman called Marissa Peer. I think London Real have interviewed her as well. Um, and uh, she was an amazing woman. She helped me overcome some blocks I had at the time. And over the years, I kept in touch with her. But I've always been drawn to wellness. And I felt that my own experiences of, of having therapy or some modalities, I just felt the people out there, I just weren't, I just felt that there could be some better quality people out there and modalities out there. Okay. Um, and I just felt that I really felt that I want to make a difference as well. So my heart was always in this and I felt that I want to make a difference. So in 2015, I trained, started training as a professional kinesiologist and um, and that was another area where you basically you're tapping in the conscious level but tap, using the body to tap into the subconscious level into your body. You're, right. we, our body holds in different emotions in different parts of our body and it could be anger, it could be hurt and pain, all sorts of things. And that emotion... Manifest into physical problems. Okay, so um, so I started studying that, and then uh, Marissa then launched her course in two thousand fifteen. I was lucky to be able to work with her um, directly and uh, trained with her, and uh, and then I didn't look back since. I still stayed in corporate for another year, and then I launched my business in February two thousand seventeen. Now it's really funny again, um, where I was planning my exit. And uh, and there was redundancies happening. And I think they said, to, and, and our, our team or a group of people were made redundant. There was lots of layoffs anyway. Um, and, um, but I think they said to me, you, you seem too happy to be being made redundant. But, be but the thing is, but the thing is that it's exactly then, again, the universe calling you out, right? Because um, I'm highly, highly qualified. And uh, the experience, and I've never had to try very hard try and get job one or two jobs apply for and I, I used to get them even with the even with the the experience I had I couldn't even get it I just applied for a few jobs so I couldn't get an interview and I just felt I could just feel the energy change I felt that basically I wasn't meant to be doing that and I need to be growing my business anyway and I knew that I was doing that anyway and so well, as soon as I got my because I had some issues with my website and launching that and as soon as I launched my website everything started to flow everything just you just felt the energy flow everything and you just felt this alignment and it just felt this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing this is where I've arrived I'm where I'm meant to be where I am so and
0: wonderful feeling
1: eh? it's the best feeling in the world feeling of fulfillment you can you can't put a price on it you cannot put a price on it a feeling of fulfillment and people are longing for that um and i'm very 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 fortunate to know that i have that feeling and i have that and i love it and that's why i want for everyone else so so basically um you know what as a rapid transmission therapist and hypnotherapist and and does and i create programs as well for clients is to actually tap into the whatever's holding them back it could be you know it could be you know professionally as an entrepreneur we're stuck we lost confidence um it could be um personal they've come through a very traumatic um marriage or tragedy or something and they're stuck and i really do believe that you know lots of bad things can happen to good people or people generally but it doesn't have to be their life story Okay, it could be they could have had the worst traumatic childhood. I've worked with lots of people who've been sexually abused and stuff. You'd never know they have been, but they're all these high achievers and things. But they've had very, very traumatic childhoods, and they've been carrying that for such a long time. And they don't need to, right? Um, the way we can tap into the subconscious level and remove all of that trauma, and and move on and help them move forward in their life in in a very very short space of time. You don't need to have months and months of therapy. You don't have to have, um, uh, you know, medication. I'm really anti-medication, to be honest, because it doesn't work. And I've spoken to enough doctors, you know, enough doctors and nurses. And I've taken it, you know, I took it for five days when my father died. Doctor, lovely doctor. was my lovely doctor, but he prescribed me Prozac. I had it for five days. I was completely zonked out. And so, you know, when I was 25. So... You know, it doesn't work. And you get to the root of the issue, clear that whatever that is, and let's move on and live life. And that's what I'm all about. So life is you, too short.
0: Absolutely. So, so you, you would meet someone that, that uh, is just having a, a really difficult time and just find a conduit to release that energy is that, is yeah. that right?
1: yeah so well we tap, we tap into subcon- con- we tap into subconscious levels so i mean i look at I look at the holistic approach i look at the mind i look at the gut i look at the whole uh, the holistically the person but everything we i do everything i do it the subconscious level first and foremost to remove whatever that is because people i mean and i work with people who are, have suffered from who are anxious stuck sick um stressed out um and these are all symptoms eating disorders addictions these are all symptoms of being numbed out of numbing yourself out because there's there's pain and underlying that, and ultimately it's because we don't feel good enough, we don't feel smart enough, we don't feel pretty enough, we don't feel we have enough money, you know, um, we don't feel enough. Period. And that could have been coming from an age from the age of zero to seven years old. That's it. you know, you're, you know you may have had a critical parent. You could have had, you know, I was bullied at, kids at school. It could have been bullying. It could have been you know a teacher saying something to you at school. You know whatever it is, it could be you somebody that you trusted and abused you sexually, you know, or you were raped and things, right? So there are are things that have happened, but you don't, it doesn't have to be the rest of your life. And now also remember that whatever beliefs we create, a lot of the beliefs we end up having from the ages of zero to seven years old, at least. And we're, these are all subconscious. And we're running our whole life based on beliefs that we created or had adopted from the ages of zero to seven years old. How funny is that? That's crazy. And we, that's crazy, isn't it? Because we should be rewiring and upgrading ourselves like any computer, right? We always are upgrading, right? Uh, Our laptops and things like that. That's the whole thing. But the thing is, most people don't know this. And they feel, and lots of people do believe that, you know, sometimes people are not aware of their blocks, limiting beliefs and what they have. And so, and, you know, and sometimes people have, they've fought really hard. So you find people, for instance, who've had a really tough childhood or a very difficult childhood, you know, um, try to be really overachievers because they said, I'm going to prove it to my mom or my dad, or, you know, the, that I'm good enough and things or, uh, to get validation. And they get to a point where they're super successful at work. And then suddenly they think, well, okay, I've got this success, but... Um, it's shallow. They're not... It's not making them feel better. It gets to a point. It's not feeling that making them feel better, and they and that's when they basically crash, and then they think, well, I need to go and go and see someone. Or they're feeling stuck and they just don't know what's happening. Or they're suffering from anxiety, Um, or they're getting sick, and you know, I mean, the amount of and what's really interesting is the amount of men who are having um, autoimmune disease like IBS i've come across quite a few men who are suffering from ibs it's all anxiety related um and once you get rid of all of that it's all emotional manifested and physical problems so both men and women are, are, are suffering um women could be super high achievers and then they and both men as well and then they're suddenly like a, a shell of a person when they've come i mean there's women who've come to see me and they t- they're talking to me as if they're college school dropouts and then you find out like they're the director they're the CEO of a company or they're running a department or they've got PhD in something yet they can't stand up for themselves and, and, and present and talk back to their peer group colleagues um, because they've lost their confidence and that they're, they're more qualified. Sorry.
0: What's what's cause, what's causing all of this, you know, because it seems to be, it's almost like it's global, you know, it is. I mean, what's causing,
1: you you know, I think, I think it's just, uh, it's getting worse, by the way, as well. I think it's because of the pressures of life and this whole technology, as much as I love technology, I love to be at the cutting edge. Um, you know, for instance, you know, in people in corporate, they're under a lot of pressure. I mean, you know, you're working 14, 12 to 14 hour days. I mean, you're on, on the go all the time. If you're not in the office, you have that portable office that's your, called your smartphone, right? It's not funny. It's going to get, sorry?
0: No, it's not funny. You can't even take a day off now.
1: You can't no, you board. can't, you can't take a DA off. Right. I mean, I know people when I was in corporate, you know, that were being shouted at because they hadn't answered their phone, you know, like within a certain time frame, um, over a weekend, you know, so when do you have opportunities opportunity to switch off? And then as soon as you wake up, I mean, this is a really bad. Okay. And I've done it, but the thing is, is like, I don't do it anymore, but I've done it. But the thing that we're so encased in this is that as soon as we wake up, before we wake up and as soon as we wake up, Rather than thinking about what a beautiful day or meditate or anything like that, you'd look at your phone. So in fact, okay. you know, if you think about it, if you think about this, and I wanted to create a drawing about this. If you think about it, you're in your bed, right? And you've just woken up.
0: I do it myself.
1: Yeah. I do- but, but I'll give you this. I'll show you, tell you this. You're in your bed and you're in, you know, and you're, you just, you just pick up your phone. What do you do? It's not like you're looking and, you know, a couple of things you do. Firstly, well, you look at your emails, right? You i do not really swear
0: at,
1: at it. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at your emails and say if you're, you know, you're working in corporate, wh- whoever you're working for, you know, suddenly you've got an email for your boss. Suddenly you've got emails from your colleagues. And then where's this? I need to speak to you urgently like this. You've, you've actually invited your boss, your colleagues into your bed.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. What you've done is invite. They're actually sitting in their bed with you, right? Because you brought that energy in there. Isn't right. that a bit messed up? That's messed up
0: it is yeah
1: when, when, you, when you, you put f- it that way it, yeah it's very messed up <laughs> so have that you so you so imagine you've got your boss there your colleagues sitting there while you're in bed they're sitting on a bed as well because obviously you're list- you're now getting a bit frustrated and upset about some of these emails or something and then you think oh i'll, re- I'll read what the latest news is okay and then you'll hear about some trauma or tr- tragedy that's happened sadly um no, 39 people have died in a lorry Yes, you've been yeah. You heard that, and um, or you know, so so many people have been murdered, or something's happened. So all those murders, all those all those negative news, you just brought into your bed as well. Wow. So so that means that this is subconscious, by the way. That's going to create anxiety for you, stress. Without even you haven't even got out of the bed yet. You haven't even got out of bed, and yeah. you're already feeling fear, anxiety, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what
1: give us an idea of
0: how you would start your day now knowing what you know what so do i, I don't I don't even put day. my
1: yeah I don't put my phone in my room anymore okay I have got a little alarm clock and I like like we we had before smartphones came along you i don't know what yeah you're we're we're both the same age group right so
0: we used to have a bell
1: (laughs) yeah so yeah no so we had we used to call them i used to have a digital alarm clock right we should go back to having that so i have that and i don't look at that because the thing is i'm not going to change anything just because you know um and I, I'm, I'm my own boss anyway. So, but the thing is, even then, before I did this, I didn't, I refused to look at my, uh, my mobile phone at the time because what's gonna happen is there's no tiger running after us. No one's gonna die. We're not doing a life, life or death situation. People make out is happening at work is a life or death situation. It's not, no one's gonna die. You know, there are deadlines, but we can survive those deadlines, right? Yes. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't have to be because the thing is health is wealth. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything, right? So I would say that you know, you have, um, you don't look at your phone, right? You spend, you know, you actually go and uh, go, for a, go for a run, go for a walk. I used to be up at 5 a.m. I used to have a personal trainer who used to work with me, and it would be pitch black. I did a workout with him, and sometimes I used to hate it. I was a pitch black, but what was a great thing? You'd see the sun come up, and it was great. So doing that. Um, meditating, fifteen minutes of meditation is the most powerful thing that you can do. And all executives, everyone, everyone should be doing meditation. It's the oldest thing that we should be doing. You
0: know, the, the, the hardest thing with 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 meditation is is actually doing it. You know, finding out how to do it. And and I, I'll give you an example. Two nights ago, I put on guided. No, it was last night. Guided meditation. And and you know, and, 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 and you, you follow it. And I guess. You've just got to keep going with it, going with it, going with it.
1: Uh, You know what? You don't even have to do that, okay? I can tell you what to do. You just sit quietly in a room, okay? You close your eyes and you you think of nothing. You just think of a blank space. Now, I know... You can't think because there's hundreds of thoughts coming through your mind. There's hundreds of thoughts coming through your mind, and you're you know coming in. But what you have to do is just allow those thoughts to come in, but not connect with them. So okay, if a thought, oh okay, I've got to send that email. Okay, fine, thank you, goodbye. Oh, you know, I've got to pick up the washing. Okay, thank you, goodbye. And the more you do that, you're not connecting with it. The more you learn to do that, those thoughts are slowly going to slow down. And the more you don't connect with them you don't react to them. And the more you don't react to thoughts, the more you remain calm and at peace at all times, no matter how stressful or busy the environment is. Okay. And so the reason
0: is the easy way to become kind of, you know, be the, the, they say the watcher, you know, the watcher or should it's you the
1: witness, the witness, the witness it's called the witnessing principle. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it's to, to observe and, and, and it's really to just allow that. So the more you do this, and if you should do 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening. And you and if you can't find 15 minutes in the morning or in the evening to do this, whether you have kids or not, kids or anything, there's a way to do it. You have a problem because this can be so powerful for you. Increases if you know, and I think you know, if you tell a company that if this will increase your bottom line, if you get all your employees to do this every morning and every night they'll make everyone do it and it will increase their bottom line because the fact fact is that you are making objective decisions. You'll have a clear thinking. There's top people like Russell Simmons says, I don't make an investment decision unless I've meditated, you know, in the morning because it gives you such clarity and focus and you'll actually increase productivity. Um, you don't slow it, slow it down, you actually increase productivity. And all my clients come and say, Oh, well, I can't meditate, I can't do it. And That's exactly why you have to do it because you're thinking so much. And the thing is that we've realized most people believe that wherever thought comes in our mind, wherever thought comes in the mind, we have to react to it. No, the mind is firing off all these thoughts all the time. It doesn't know whether it's a good thought or a bad thought, it's just a thought, it's just firing yeah. off. It's a brain, right?
0: Yes. I know we all have to. Thoughts every day, anyway, isn't
1: it? Sorry? Exactly. So it's about eighty thousand thoughts, eighty thousand thoughts every day, yeah. right? On repeat. Okay. So yeah. you probably have forty thousand 40, on repeat because the brain wants to minimise the amount of energy you're expending. Okay. So if it can create an algorithm, it's like an algorithm, isn't it? So if yeah. you do something once or twice, three times, it says, "Oh, okay, this is a pattern here, and obviously you need to do it. Let's let's create an algorithm. So it becomes a habit. So after three days, it becomes a habit. And it becomes more and more a habit. And and then you think, oh, okay, I didn't realize I was doing that. Because sometimes if you do something and you think, oh, and you stop doing it, you think, oh, I'm missing something. It's because your brain saying, oh, you were meant to do this, but you're not doing it now for this time, whatever, right?
0: So... Should you lie down? What's, you know, what's the best way
1: to approach it? You can, just sit, you can just sit on a sofa and just sit down quietly and not listen to anything. You don't have to listen to anything. You don't have to have any guided meditations. You don't have anything. It's just anywhere. You could be in your car sitting there waiting for someone and you could just close your eyes and just do it for 15 minutes.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. It's as easy as that. And you've come out so much more clearer and yeah. so much more focused and the and, and you can take in a lot more information you can do so much more and in this day and age it's a must it's not a, like a, a nice to do it is a must for everyone everyone but definitely entrepreneurs and professionals you have to have to do it it's a must it's a, it, it, it should be like brushing your teeth because be you'll be doing this soon
0: I I really will, and I'll let you know how I get on. I'm going to crack it. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: I can send you an uh, habit tracker. I create a little habit tracker, and you just take it every day. And the more you do it, and you you'll see the difference in yourself. You you'll feel the difference, and so you'll feel that level of you know that level of anxiety that you may have suddenly when there's things happening, or you get a new new bill that you've got to pay that unexpected bill, or um, you know, an irate customer or something like that. Your kind of blood pressure or your anxiety starts to increase that we have sometimes. It won't happen because you're just remaining in that peace. What, the whole point of this is to remain peace within yourself at all times. And when you're at peace at that time, you can't, you, you know, your body is going to be in balance. You're right. gonna, not going to have these stress-related illnesses. Okay, right. so meditation, and also the other thing is, is breathing, is to breathe deeply, to breathe from your, from your stomach, to feel like, like a belly you know, kind of breath. Right. Take, a, take deep breaths in. Most people are doing it from their chest and they're hyperventilating, right? right? And that's what creates the anxiety.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, th- just these two things, if you could just do those two things every day in the morning and the evening, that in itself is going to have a positive impact. Okay. And there are people talking about this a lot more now, but there's so much research. There's so many studies. I've met people at, um, at Harvard and Stanford who, who actually, who've done PhDs. What an amazing PhD to do on meditation Absolutely. at Harvard or at Stanford. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the things, but the work that I do with my clients is then going deeper is to make sure we go back to the root of the issue. So they may come from anxiety. They may come from, listen, i I've, I'm a business, a business, um, entrepreneur. I can't seem to be taking that next level of risk and things. And you know they're stuck.
0: Hello. Can you hear me? come on don't do this are we there are we there yes i'm here can you hear
1: me can you hear me
0: (laughs) right carry on
1: so it is i hope this is interesting otherwise i can stop but um so what I was saying is that, um, yeah, so the thing is, those are the two things. Breathing is really important. So you can actually learn to remain calm as well. And those two things in itself are balance you. So then, you know, the work that I do with my clients are, you know, as I said, you know, it, it could be anxiety, it could be addictions, it could be some form of trauma. But it's also about, you know, we've, you know entrepreneurs, they may have had a setback and, you um, you know, and, but they want to move on with their business and they're just feeling they've lost their confidence. So we go back and clear that so they can actually get revitalized again, thinking, right, let's look at, let's get the energy back again and, and move forward because yeah. they may have, yeah. Uh, because you know, the brain is there to protect you. They want to keep you safe. So if, if you've had a bad experience, say, you know, you've lost some money or, and it happens, right. And, um, or you've had a bad deal go, you know, a, a deal go wrong or something, whatever it is, you know, these are learning experience, otherwise, you know, and you have to just dust, dust yourself down and pick yourself up again, right? But sometimes the brain just says, oh, no, you know, that, remember that time you had that situation? It was a bit uncomfortable. It, 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 you know, you lost money and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it was very painful for you. We need to protect you from it. So that's why people then are not giving their full oomph to going off and right, going off to that to the next level because there's something yes. kind of a bit holding them back because the brain is trying to protect them. Of course, the brain doesn't know, you know, that it's it's just trying to keep you safe. So that's the kind of work I do um, with entrepreneurs, and then with the, you know, as, as professionals is and you know uh, is to you know to help them get to that high level of performance and, and feel confident in themselves. Some people, I've had professional men who who fear presenting. You know, you know, I had a, a client recently who, even when he into the meeting room, he's just got really you know nervous about being in the meeting room. So we cleared all of that. Um, People wanted to get promoted, um, but then also they've had, they're very high functioning people, but they're alcoholics. And the alcohol, alcoholism or the addictions are because they're having dealt with the trauma that happened to them as a kid and stuff like that. Right, right. So there's all sorts of things happening. But the thing is that all of these things, why I'm saying all of this stuff is that. These are just can be episodes in one's life. And you know, the work that I do is very rapid is deep is quick and move forward. So no one has to suffer for years and years and years. No one needs to be having medication. You know, most people don't need to have medication. And, um, and, 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 you know, you can really change your life. I mean, it's really true. You can really change your life, whatever circumstances and, and it's all with the mind. And we've had enough people talking about mindset work and things like that. But you get to the root of the, uh, the issue subconsciously, get it, clear it, move on. That's it.
0: Well, the, the, the world needs people like you right now. And I, and I tell you, what, I've really, really enjoyed, really enjoyed listening to you. And, and of course, this is the reason uh, for, for, for your podcast, isn't it? And,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, because I think, my goodness, I'm so impressed <clears throat> with your knowledge. And just talking to me right now, I can feel you helping me. I really can. Well,
1: and that's I, great. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's been wonderful talking to you. So I can only, ima- I can only imagine what, what, you, what you could do with, with this podcast. And, yeah, uh,
1: I, I mean, so my podcast is called Second Acts Disrupted. And so the other thing that I realized is that there's a lot of stuff and motivational stuff and positivity stuff and growth stuff going on for people who are in the 20s, 30s, most of it. There are some people who will do it in their 40s, but nothing's really targeted for the 40, 50 plus people. And I just think that things have changed so much. And like, I'm going to be turning about 50 in about three weeks time, okay? And I'd be, and like, I know enough enough people. It's the right laugh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the thing is, what's interesting is that, you know, when you're you're young, you know, when you're feeling like 18, 19, you think, I remember when I was 21 and I, when I got my certificate or got my degree and I thought, oh my God, it's, I'm 21 and I've got my, the whole life ahead of me and I can do all these amazing things and I'm so excited, Right that was 29 years ago and I have done lots of things and I've had a great time and I had ups and downs as well. I've learned a lot. There's lots of learnings, growth, pain, stuff like that. And that's been great. But now I'm thinking, okay. And what I've noticed is that, that there's this leave. And I think even in the UK as well, I think America is probably different, but in the UK, suddenly when you're in your forties and moving towards your fifties and then sixties, like you're putting on being put on the scrap heap. And like for women, if you're single and uh, you're moving to your 50s, like you're invisible, okay, apparently, or you're a spinster and you're going to be dying with like loads of cats, right? With men, it's, a, it's um, you know, oh, well, I'm going to be 45, 50, and then I'm going to be 60 soon, and I have to retire. And what, what, what do we have at the moment, the way things are, what do we have to look forward to? We're growing old, we're being invisible, we're aging as in like we're getting sick and then we're looking forward, we're looking forward and not looking forward, we're going to get dementia or Alzheimer's, one or the other, right? And we may be put, we <laughs> oh, put yeah. into an old people's home. <laughs> yeah, we may be put yeah. into an if old, if we don't have people to look after us or we, we, ha- we can't look after ourselves.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And excuse my language, but I'd be damned if that's going to happen to me, right? And I'd be damned if the thing is things need to change. So one of the things that happened to me is when, before I trained with, uh, with Marissa was um, in 2015, I actually went through a divorce. I, I was married for five years, lovely person, but it just didn't work out between us. And it was something that I had to move out, you know, and I moved out and I moved, I'd created this amazing house for five, for five years and it just didn't work out. So obviously my life changed and, um, and I just thought okay well fine okay I'm going through divorce so I have to think okay um I have to go and see someone so I have to go and see a therapist and and go through um the whole process of divorce I didn't know what that was I don't know what it was so I thought okay because I felt pretty rough obviously you know it's heartbreak and things like that so so I started seeing a friend of mine and she's a lovely lady and um we started and she said, well, you have to go through these five stages of bereavement. And uh, it's like, you go through these like, you know, anger and all these other things. I said, okay, well you just tell me what to do. I'll just do what you want me to do. Yeah. And, um, and like, and then it come week eight and I'm still not feeling any better. And I'm like, I'm still w- waking up at 5am. I'm training with my trainer, doing everything that I need to get done to make sure that I'm moving forward and stuff. But I'm still feeling rough. You know, I feel like really, like painful in my chest and you know and all this stuff right it's like yeah it's a death Uh, there is a death but nobody has really died right it's a death of a relationship but anyway so you know and I said to her I said and I said I had and I also had a very demanding job so I said to her I said to her I said listen you know I know we've been doing this work but it's been eight weeks now and I'm just still not feeling a difference or a shift and I and I I need to feel something and she said to me well you were in this relationship for five years so it's going to take at least a couple of years to get over it and I just thought what (laughs) there is no way I'm going to go through another two years of having to try to get over it Uh -uh, that ain't going to happen to me so I because I was going to be going off for training with Marissa I just thought let me let me try and and I hadn't I don't know why I didn't think this before but I didn't I thought, let me try and see if there's hypnotherapy for heartbreak or for divorce and stuff and see whether we can work at a subconscious level. And lo and behold, I found something on YouTube. I don't know, some guy, and I have to give back really, and I will be giving like, free stuff on YouTube soon as well. But somebody sent something, put out something, that recording of overcoming heartbreak or divorce or something. And just listening to that once took the edge off what I was feeling. And that's when I realized that conventional methodologies or modalities doesn't have to be the way we're moving forward. Life is moving so fast now. Life is changing so fast that traditional traditional methods don't really, may not necessarily fit in with that, okay? And I just thought that is what it is. We need to be thinking more modern, more think differently about how we help people and treat people. And she ended up actually doing a PhD in like unconscious coupling. And I'm going to actually interview her for that because, because people, the word divorce is also had such negative connotations.
0: Yeah. It's not. yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be so bitter and angry and like there's a lot of hurt and pain around. It. Yeah. But you don't have to be like that. And, no. you know, at the end of the day, the only person who ends up suffering is yourself because you may hate the other person. You may want to have the, they, you want to send ang- you are angry towards them, but they're not suffering. You're the one who's suffering. It's really? You're releasing those negative chemicals in yourself. Right. It
0: can, it can, go, the- beyond, it can go beyond that. You know, it's, it's you. It's the partner and it's any kids that might be in the relationship. Yeah. You know I have I've gone through a divorce myself and and so many years on we we're, we're, we're the best of friends. And, yeah. Um and and uh we love our daughter very much you know we didn't go through all of that rubbish and all, yeah. that, all that we just didn't go there you know.
1: No no exactly and I did I I did, I did the same I like you know we had it we had it did it in a very dignified manner because I just didn't think it was going to be beneficial to be calling out names and being this that and the other it's just some things just don't work out right? Of course, it could be home pain, but there's always a way to do it. It made me realize at that time things could be different and we can use different modalities. So then I trained in Narissa, and then I, you know, I've been seeing clients and I've been creating my own programs. And I've because I've trained in kinesiology, I've trained in, you know, meditation, yoga, and all sorts of other things I've picked up and what's worked, what hasn't worked. So I've created my own program, and then I just thought, you know what. I've done it that time and I've done this because I really want to make a difference. I really do love people. and I really want to help people. And I just think there's not enough people out there doing this kind of work or they are growing, but there's still this old way of thinking. And, um, and so, and so basically second, second act disrupt is about disrupting our beliefs or the second act that basically we don't need to think that we're going to be old and the scrap people at the age of 55, 60, or that we're retiring in 60. And it's really scary. And that no one's going to have us, you know, because there's lots of companies out there, you know, they don't want to hire people who are their sixties and seventies. Right. You know, there's an, it is ages, um, you know, the perceptions of having relationships. I had a client only two days ago telling me, Oh, you know, I'm a very successful person, you know, i'm you know you know i've got a very great good job and things like that but i've I've never been able to have a relationship or have children and i feel i'm 51 now and then you know what's happened to me and he felt so down about it and i said i said he said i said okay so you didn't it didn't happen then but doesn't mean that it's not gonna happen now but if you keep having this mindset of oh it hasn't happened for me and and feel bad about yourself it's never gonna happen it? it won't happen right
0: yeah
1: exactly so i'm saying own it embrace what happens that you, you know you're 51 you're saying you're good looking you've got all this you know you've got a great job you've got everything you feel that you know you're good cash then they own it he said i went out with this girl for a bit and she said and then she just she finished with me and said you know we're not on the same page and i don't know what i did wrong i said well maybe you didn't do anything wrong maybe it's because she didn't want to maybe she wasn't felt yeah, right for herself
0: page you know
1: yeah exactly. So it's about changing that. I spoke to a guy today his His family contacted me because they said he's only he's only sixty years old. He had a, a company that basically um you know he had to retire from something happened he retired And he was always really very uh, dynamic and energetic and running four times a, four times a week and all this kind of stuff he was doing. He was he's a go getter, but since he left that company. He's just been sleeping 12 hour days and he's just sunk, sunk into depression. And he's saying to me today, these last 10 months, I've done nothing. I don't feel like doing anything. Everything's too late. And I said, well, how old are you? He said, I'm 60. I said, 60? You're still a baby, mate, right? Yeah. So it's just like perceptions. It's like if he's clearly someone who who is dynamic, who he knows how to set up businesses, do all that. he can recreate it again. So these examples, so I think, you know, we, and the other thing that happened is like, I could see some some signs of my mom showing some signs of dementia recently. And I just thought, um, I thought I'm going to research this. I'm not going to, and this is, there's an epidemic that's going to happen about people are talking about dementia and Alzheimer's. I thought there has to be a way. I do not believe there's no cure. Okay. So, and I, I always got smashed through. I don't believe it. Just don't take everything for for word or whatever that people say, because I don't believe that. Um, and, uh, and so what happened was I started researching how to, how to cure Alzheimer's, dementia. And there's a documentary about people who've actually reversed their dementia and Alzheimer's through diet. Yeah, okay? I was
0: watching something today, you know, they're saying things like dairy is, is incredibly...
1: It's the gut. So basically... Yeah, yeah. It's everything if the gut is you know so we have two brains one is the brain in the you know in the head right so the, the second is brain that. is the gut okay if the gut is is compromised then we're going to have issues and we have a, a, a gut that's compromised because we have stress with the food that we're eating um all sorts of things going on if we keep our gut healthy we can and we can clear out some foods we can be very very healthy and we can live a long time and have a really dynamic happy life and there's a guy called dr gundry He been talking about it he was a, he's a heart specialist and he's seen that and he's doing that research and he's talking about it these people who did the documentary they've been they've been interviewed so many people who've reversed it i've met a lady here who actually reversed her mother's uh, mother-in-law's uh, dementia um as well uh through diet and the fact is we can have an amazing 50 years right the next 50 years of our life can be amazing and then listen to this Phil.
0: yeah
1: Ernestine Shepherd, she started weight training at 74. She's 83 now and she's looking amazing. She's a bodybuilder yeah. and she's a model. Okay. We've got Connie in Inokai, something, another lady. She's called, she created, she was an entrepreneur. At 85, she's an entrepreneur. She used to be a newsreader and she's an 85 year old. And she, called, she created this um, little gadget called Tip and Split. Because older people when they went into the into the restaurants they were finding it really difficult to read the menu yeah. and i think it's because they didn't want to get their glasses out whatever it was so she's created this little thing it's a magnifying glass with a little light and a little calculator so you can actually look at the menu read the menu in big letters and then you know calculate the tips and things like that but she created it at 85 right list it Okay, then you've got Ida Keeling, another lady, she's uh, a runner and she's been running and she's 100, 101 years old or something. Okay, uh, this Fuaja Singh, he's 108 years old and he was doing marathons up to the age of 100, 102 years old. Okay, this Tower Portion Lynch, she's a New- lady in New York who's a yoga teacher and she's about 102 years old.
0: Unbelievable. Now,
1: tell me, these are people who are doing it now. Yeah. You must have heard about when, uh, when um, Tony Robbins may have talked about other people, Roger Bannister, when they said that Roger Bannister did the four-minute mile, nobody would, could do the four-minute mile. But when, when Roger Bannister did the four-minute mile, then there were more people starting to do the four-minute mile, right? Yes. It's exactly the same thing. Yes. I remember my, somebody telling me, uh, oh, you know, because I used to talk about these people before. And I said, oh, then they said to me um, – Sue's woman was a psychologist. He said, oh, well, they're the the outliers and most people can't be like that. That's bullshit. Excuse me. Absolute bullshit. Because the fact is, if you don't see examples of people going off and doing things, you're going to just automatically assume. Whatever you tell your mind, your mind will do.
0: I I agree with you. And let me tell you something. In this, um, how long have we been on this podcast course now? It's been five weeks or something like that. Yeah. And in that time, um, listening to to, uh, the the people on this course, talking to people like you, I know we said that the the world seems to be in in not a good place now, but there seem to be right now a lot of really good people pushing through, coming through. And there seems to be, from what what I can work out, there's a whole world of possibilities.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what's... Well, absolutely. And I agree with you. And the thing is, people are, are starving or hungry for fulfillment. They've got their, you know, they've got the, uh, the, the 2.2 kids, they've got the job, the career, um, they've got the house, you know, they've got the mortgage and things like that. Now they're reaching into their 40s and thinking, is this it? Yeah. you know when you're growing up our age groups when you're growing up you have to go off and do this or be a doctor or, or you know do be a, get a job be successful whatever it is gotta be a professional and there are people who went off and did that whatever they had to go and do they did but then they're looking back and they said that's what we're meant to be doing but going back in our 40s now thinking you know is this it is this what we wanted to do or sometimes like you know we're not you know you we're not um, part of convention we're not part of the convention so for instance me i met my ex-husband i had a relationship before it didn't work out so i met and so everyone like the women like there's a massive massive uh drive to suddenly meet somebody in your late 30s early 40s because you you have to get married and 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 basically have that child right or children okay and there's that pressure and so you're going out trying to meet somebody it's like musical chairs <laughs> Yeah. And so I knew there's a whole spate of women, friends of mine, who yes. went off and met somebody, mid to late thirty, late late thirties, early forties, and got settled down, and then they had the baby, and you know whatever. I tried, I did that, and obviously the thing is that I went off and met somebody who was a lovely guy, and I loved him, but he wasn't in love with me. But I was prepared to try and give it a go because I just thought, because well, I have to have that, I have to have that husband, I have to have the baby, yeah. because you know otherwise how am i gonna have a baby but the thing is if you do that in the wrong way and i did it and the thing is i think and nobody and at that time i didn't know everyone else has done it so i think i've got to do it as well and it was the worst thing for me because i suffered for five years sorry
0: maybe he felt that maybe he was also feeling that pressure and and he did
1: and he did feel that pressure exactly because he was he was older than me
0: men run away (laughs)
1: yeah exactly so he did feel that pressure and then he and then the thing but the thing is we were both miserable for five years yeah,
0: yeah. it was
1: one of the worst but it was an amazing learning experience Absolutely. but it was the it was the most painful experience, learning experience yeah. but i'm mean, saying it just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that you have to do it it's like it, and look like i left i mean i was 45 and I, I got i split up and then i you know uh, you know, I, I used to be single and be single, and then I did not have kids, right? So then, you know, you, you're kind of into that space of, oh, you know, you're single and you as well. And, you know, some people may look at you a bit weird because they think, right? Because you're different from them. But the thing is, there's a growing number of women and men who are single, who didn't get married, or whatever reason, it didn't happen for one reason or another. And it's not as if they're bad right? And it doesn't mean that they they can't have an amazing life, right? So things are changing so much. But the thing is, we've had these old ways of thinking that needs to change. We need to disrupt it. And so second act is about, I mean, I don't want people to start thinking, I mean, they can actually have an amazing life. So as I said, Gary Vee, which is, I love him. I don't know if you know him as an entrepreneur. He's a, he's a really good guy. And he talks about, you know, how to set up businesses and things like that and be driven and whatever. And I love watching him. Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. But he's the only the one few people who's saying, you know what? You could be be an entrepreneur at the age of 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Nobody else is saying that. And I just think there's there's a market here of people who are being forgotten, and it's a great. We've got an aging population, right? UK's got an aging population. US has got an aging population. What are we going to do with them? What they're all looking forward to? Looking forward to basically being on a scrap heap, and then suddenly exactly. getting age um, um, Alzheimer's and dementia. That's rubbish. Why should we do that? And I want to. That's the whole point of all of this is to really, as you can hear the passion in my voice, is that we need to change this. I want people to understand that you don't have to be like that. What we say to our mind, the mind is like a computer. You say, I'm happy, I'm loved and positive. It will say, okay, you're happy, loved and positive. It's not used to you saying that. And there may be maybe blocks that you need to clear that may you need to have some work done. But the thing is, you know, to do that. But the thing is, you say positive affirmations, stuff, they actually make a difference.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. They actually, yeah. You have to keep saying to yourself, I'm kind to myself. You have to be kind to yourself. You, you have to let go of the negative thinking. Yes. You have to let go of that because it just slows you down. And you just think, okay, you, you're saying that you're, you're worthless, worthless piece of shit. Screw my language, but okay, we'll make you put worthless, worthless piece of shit. Right. You vibrate at that level. The vibration yeah. is, it pushes you up. When I work with my clients that sometimes they say, Oh, you know, my because I get my clients to start loving them t- 10 out of 10. That's where you should be no matter what you you are. You should be loving yourself 10 out of 10, no matter what. Loving yourself unconditionally, knowing your self-esteem is 10 out of 10, knowing that you deserve the best in life 10 out of 10, and being open to receive the best in life 10 out of 10. And my clients, either one of those pillars can actually fall down, right? So they, they may love them, love themselves unconditionally, but they feel because I haven't got the big house, because I haven't got the car, because I haven't got this, you know my my you know i can't love myself 10 out of 10 that's rubbish your self-esteem your confidence should be 10 out of 10 no matter what and social when you
0: all the time, isn't sorry it? social pressure all the time
1: yeah and and then knowing that you deserve the best and also being open to receiving the best yeah? yeah and so those things are important and so basically um as i said the analogy would be again like a a, a, a room so So the meditation, the breathing, and the affirmations are really good. Those are really good starting points to do. But you still need to do the work and letting go, finding out what the blocks are, limiting beliefs, and things like that, right? And that's what we do and clear at the subconscious level. Um, So it's having a a room, a dirty room, and putting beautiful furniture in there. The beautiful furniture would be the affirmations, the meditation, the breathing exercises. But the thing is, then the room's going to get dirty, right? Yeah. The white the white furniture will get dirty. So what you have to do is clean out the room, clear out all that all that dirt. You're not talking You're about cleaned.
0: my room, are you? Yes. No,
1: no, it looks white to me. <laughs> <laughs> clear out the room and uh and then and basically then, you know, once you've cleaned it out, then put in all these other things and it makes it so much more effective.
0: Yeah. Wonderful.
1: So really the whole podcast and I've probably overrun and yeah. you know, but
0: what I was going to say, because, listen, I could, I could talk to you for hours. I really could. What I was going to say to you is that this is a really noble cause. I mean, it, it, it is.
1: And yeah. there's an ever-growing
0: group of people that are going to need help from people like yourself. Yeah. In, your, in your ability that we've already, already established that, that, that things manifest for you, where do yeah. you see this podcast? Where do you see your podcast? in five years
1: oh podcast well i think it's just uh, to grow and to, to create an amazing tribe of people who are just saying no i i'm saying no to alzheimer's i'm saying no to ill health i'm, I'm saying no to being ageism and, and and giving up on life i'm embracing life living life to the fullest and really enjoying life and seeing the next 50 years like you know being an athlete being you know creating being the entrepreneur really fulfilling your dream is it's really what my wish is to have to, for people to have fulfillment in their life to really go after their dreams and not be afraid and and i'm on the other side of it all right i've done it got got the t-shirt and i can really say it's a beautiful experience i do live a blissful life i mean internally all the time i am in bliss because we have our like stressful days whatever but I just get back into it again because, I, I mean, I am like two things of mine are amazing. I'm living in my dream country in the sense I have seen the sun every day. You used sort to of visualize it, right? Didn't even know I'd even get here. I, I'm here, and and uh, I'm getting to help people and make a difference. And you know, it's amazing how when you see the transformation in somebody and how, I mean, I get so many beautiful messages from people say you changed my life. Oh my God, I feel so happy. But the best thing about all, all of it. Is that they are able to have an amazing life they have they can be they feel free they feel vibrant they feel abundant they feel they can go and conquer the world and they feel they feel as if they can have a life of purpose and fulfillment and you know until their last breath they're actually having they have a smile on their face right that is what i really want to be doing and so on my website, I think I said, um, initially, I said, I want to transform the lives of 9 million people across nine cities in nine years. I think 9 million I chose because it's one of my, it's like my lucky number, but a number I'm drawn to. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, 9 million. And then the thing is, the reason 9 million is because if, if I was able to help 9 million people transform their life, if they were able to go off and transform four people in the family's life, uh, for members of their family's life that's 36 million and then from there, for growth i was here to do this work and i feel that the universe has maneuvered it in a way that it just says even if i didn't want to do this work anymore that i'd end up doing this work i love it i eat breathe sleep it i love talking about it um I love seeing my clients change and have amazing lives and how they're having a better relationship with their children or their partners or they're going out and getting that job or creating a business for themselves or feeling free. There's too much um, negativity in the world. There's too much hatred in the world, sadly, at the moment. There is, I've seen it change so much, right? And there's too much fear and anxiety in the world.
0: All the negative stuff. All the negative stuff.
1: And you know what? If you come from a place of just having that peace and that love, and that just um, coming from that energy, which we see in London real, don't we? We're seeing all what we're doing. You know, everyone is you know supportive and amazing with um, with everyone. If we can have that more every day, that makes makes the world a better place, right? And I'd rather leave this place a better place than a worse place. Um all our
0: confidence so. that things are going to change i really do i i i feel so much brighter about this world than than i did five weeks ago i really do and speaking to people like you people like you are really going to make make
1: yeah i think we all are but even in a, in a little way just even just making with one person i yeah. think it's just it's so important to know that you know that, you know, you can do it. It's just, you know, you could be in the worst situation right now. You know, if anyone actually hears this and stuff, it, you could be in the worst, worst situation. You could be lonely, you could feel isolated, you're not sure. I remember that the night I realized my marriage was over. I looked, I looked out in the pitch black, okay? I looked out the window, it was pitch black. And I remember thinking, shit, my marriage is over, and I created this home, and I have no clue where my life is gonna go from, from here. I, I I really had no clue, and prior to that, and then I've I've in the last five years I've traveled the world. I've I've changed careers. I've I've trained and changed careers. I've been helping people. I've established myself. It's made a huge difference. And twelve years ago, um, when I was in the UK, I remember it was yeah, it was two thousand six, the day the time when I came back from that holiday, and then um um just no, a year before that actually. So I was. It was Christmas and New Year, and I was. I was overweight. I was stuck in a job that I was. I. I was just unhappy. I was in a really unhappy relationship as well. I'm thinking, I cannot handle another year of this. I could not bring, and the New Year coming in and thinking it's going to be the same as this. Something has to change. And I remember googling. Um, I think. I think it was after Boxing Day but before the New Year. I googled. It, googled coaches and things I reached out to this person I emailed him and he did reach back to me Lee and uh, and I said look I need some coaching because I don't know where to go from here I don't know how to start but I cannot have next year a year of of the same because it's it's going to drive me nuts like I can't handle it and he said sure and then we worked together and within three months I lost the weight I lost three stone I um I finished with that relationship I was carrying that job, and by the end of that year, oh yeah, I went to Australia in the November. My first big trip, and I went to see my best friend. And the end of the year, when I was coming back from that family holiday, that's when I made that intention that I'm going to live abroad and live my life abroad. And then January fourth, I got that, I got that call.
0: And here we are. Here we are on the cusp of. of-
1: so what I'm saying the- is that put the intention out there, and you can change everything. But Wonderful. the thing, whole point about the second act disrupted is, let's disrupt our thinking on being 50, being 60. Let's, let's go out and do something and, and, and go and fulfill your dreams.
0: I go agree and fulfill really your dreams. dreams. Samira. I really do. And I, listen, and, uh, and we, we're going to have to wrap it up. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> it's 2 o'clock
1: in the morning. I know. Sorry, it's 2 o'clock for me <laughs> yeah, as well, yeah. 10 past 2. can't <laughs> believe it. <laughs>
0: Bad news. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> I really, seriously, I've really enjoyed it, uh, Samira, and uh, and, I, nice and I, I wish you, I really wish you well. You, you're gonna make, you're gonna change so many, so many lives, and uh, and I guess that's what we're we're all about. And that's all
1: about, right? Hey, listen,
0: I'm gonna be a fan of your podcast, Se- <laughs> Disrupted. I'm gonna say. I know that lady. I
1: know that <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to interview okay. you now anyway. So. <laughs> well, I think the best thing to do is to like, have a plan and so say, what are you going to do for the next 50 years, 45 years or 50 years you're alive? right? So yeah. can you imagine if we're living to 110? I mean, like, there's a cyclist as well. I don't know his name. He's 106 years old and he cycles. He's done competitive cycling.
0: Maybe Manchester United will win the league again in that time. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know about that, but (laughs) still. But the thing is, the world is your oyster. We've got another fifty years. The time is, and listen. There's the other thing. One last thing I was going to say to you is that when we're growing up, we think we're immortal. And the thing is, people say, you know, make make each day count because you never know when it's your last. But as you grow older, you realise that you don't know when you're going to go. So the thing is, you're forced to think: make each day as it counts because you don't know when you're going to go and you want to make the most of it. So make each day as it counts, right? Make it, make each day count as in live the best life possible each day. Cause it could be your last, right?
0: Absolutely. Or a new <laughs> beginning somewhere else.
1: A <laughs> new beginning somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. for another podcast.
0: <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, an absolute pleasure. And, uh, I'd love to chat with you again at some point, if that's possible. Yeah,
1: anytime. We can do it anytime, anytime, anytime. Well, listen. Okay.
0: We'll see you back on on uh, London Real Broadcasters. uh, Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your help.
1: Pleasure, Phil. Thank you very much for interviewing me.
0: It's it absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. All the best. I'll let you go to sleep now. All the best. (laughs) Take care.